Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a, a message about baptism called Through the Waters. We're going to be looking at the significance of baptism in the Bible. And we were uh, actually on this service preparing for a baptism that we did that afternoon. We ba- ended up baptizing uh, 12 people, uh, about half of them, a little bit more than half of them in the Bogaflya River. You can check out a video of that on the front page of NorthShoreVineyard.org. And uh, really, really a, just a awesome day to see what God was doing in the lives of, of his people here at the church. So hopefully you'll get some stuff out of this, whether you've been baptized before or maybe you were baptized many years ago. And uh, this will be just a good reminder of, of, of what it means in your life in the here and now. So uh, we're going to go ahead and head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. I just had to... Uh... We, 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 we here? We here? Yep. I had to figure out a way to work in my favorite movie. This morning we're going to be talking about baptism uh, because we're going to be doing some baptisms today. And I realized like, I've never done a message on baptism, but it's, it's probably an important thing to do a message on from time to time uh, because it is one of the uh, two sacraments that we, we believe in uh, that we regularly practice. Uh, One's communion, the other's baptism. And so I, I wanted to show this clip today because it kind of gets it at the way that people tend to think of baptism, maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, we, we, we think of baptism main, mainly as being this, this act that, that saves a person. Uh, you may have grown up in a church where uh, you didn't get to choose whether you were baptized or not. You just got baptized when you were an infant. Uh, and, and a lot of times the thinking behind that is if we don't baptize an infant and then the, the infant gets, you know, the, the child gets killed, then it's not going to go to heaven. Um, for some people, though, in kind of non-denominational context, baptism is just kind of seen as this stuffy, ritualistic kind of thing. Like, I'm saved by the grace of Jesus. I don't need to do that baptism stuff. It's just one of those old traditional things. Uh, and so today I want to kind of answer, a, a, you know, look at a few questions, a, a few of the things the Bible has to say about baptism. And if you came here today and you, you've never been baptized, or maybe you were baptized when you were younger and you didn't have a choice, or uh, you, you, you've really turned a corner in your life and you'd like to, to bab- get baptized uh, as, as an adult, then uh, we're going to give you the opportunity if you want. We're actually going to go down to the river to pray today. Um, we're, we've never done a baptism in a real river, but I figure we've got so many rivers around here, it'd be a shame to be bad stewards of them, so... Uh, if Bogafly doesn't kick us out for trying to baptize people down there at the park here in a minute, uh, we are going to baptize a few people down there, and then we're going to do another set of baptisms at Alan Judy's house at 1 o'clock today. So if you're, if you're uh, afraid of snakes and all that stuff, um, <laughs> well, uh, you, you can get baptized later. So I want to start off by looking at... Um, You know, uh, Lauren, could you bring me my laptop? Because I printed out the wrong set of notes. I've got like about six sets of notes as I'm preparing, and that was the wrong one. I was thinking it looked kind of funny. Thank you, Lauren. Um, so we're, we're going to start off with Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading this out of the message I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this here. I think it gets more at the heart of of what was going on. So 
Matthew 3, chapter 1, this is kind of the, the first picture that we see of baptism in the New Testament is John the Baptist. Um, while Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. And John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John dressed in a camel hair habit, tied at the waist by a leather strap. He lived on a diet of locusts and wild field honey. People poured out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear him and see him in action. There at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. So first, the first instance we see of baptism is John the Baptist. Now, there are some biblical scholars who believe, and, and historical scholars that believe that John was a member of this uh, uh, community called Qumran, which I got to visit when I was in Israel uh, years ago, uh, back in 2012. There, the place where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a, a, a really... Uh, aesthetic kind of community out there. They were really into prayer and fasting and ritual purity. Some have made the case that, that John seems to be like he might have been a part of that group. Historical evidence says that group was real into uh, baptizing people. But the primary thing that they were baptizing people for was purification. It was, it was, it was a, a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of, of sanctification, consecration to the Lord. And so John is out there and he, he's baptizing, but he sees what he's doing is really not the ultimate kind of baptism. He sees it as a preparation for what God's going to do because God's going to send the Messiah. And this brings us to the next passage in verse 7. It says, when John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do. He exploded. Brood of snakes? What do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to make any difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I love this. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this. John is saying there, there was a point, and, and it's kind of odd thinking, because John the Baptist, he was probably a scary-looking guy. I mean, I can just imagine the dude. He's all just wild, got hair out to here. He's dressed in camel hair. He's eating locusts. I mean, just seeing somebody eat locusts and honey would be freaky. And he's out there, but in spite of being as weird as he was, he started developing a following, and people were coming from all over, and then it became like the, the cool thing to do. Let's go down to the Jordan and get baptized by John the Baptist. It was the, the latest religious fad. We see them in our day and age, don't we? We see every, every year or so there's, there's some new fad or new fad religious experience that kind of sweeps through America. And John says, don't just come down here for the latest fad. Don't come down here and get baptized because it's what everybody's doing. If you're not changing on the inside, if you're not ready to live a different kind of life, then a little water on your snakeskin ain't going to change anything. And then we come to the baptism of Jesus. In verse 11, it says, John the Baptist says, I'm baptizing you here in the, you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action, though, comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, 
The Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house. Make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Then Jesus appeared, arriving at the Jordan from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. And the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Now, what's interesting is that while John's baptism was a baptism of ritual purity, Jesus' baptism was actually, uh, if we read it in context of the life of Jesus, it was actually had more to do with the Exodus. It wasn't a mere stepping in the water to, to, you know, for purity of sins. I mean, that wouldn't make sense with Jesus anyway, right? Like, what did Jesus need to repent of? I mean, he's, he's kind of got it together. Uh, <laughs> He wasn't like the Pharisees or everybody else. He didn't need to change his way of thinking. He didn't need to repent of sin. He was already in communion with the Father. He was already living life as it was meant to be. But what we see with Jesus is that he's actually reenacting the Exodus story. He's drawing upon the symbolism of of baptism uh, in the Exodus story. Uh, Matthew, uh, well, two two things. John John 1, 29 through 30 Uh, talking about John the Baptist, says, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So John, when John sees Jesus uh, out by the river of Jordan, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And we know after spending two and a half years in the Gospel of John that, that when, when John says the, 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 the Lamb of God, he's not just meaning simply uh, the, the, the atonement. He's drawing on the Exodus story, that Jesus is the Passover Lamb, the, the one whose blood is on the doorpost of the universe. Uh, he's, he, he, he's, came, he's come that, that all humanity might be set free from the clutches of sin and death and tyranny. And, and go on a new exodus, new creation. And we see that in Matthew chapter 4, right after Jesus comes up out of the water, it says in Matthew 4 verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then he gets tempted by Satan. Now, Jesus goes out into the wilderness directly after his baptism. Where did the children of Israel go directly after they went through the Red Sea? They went into the wilderness. And they went into the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus is, is reenacting, as, as many of the Old Testament prophets did, he, he's actually uh, demonstrating with his life a prophetic picture. And he's, he's saying that, that he is living the vocation of Israel. The biggest, the biggest uh, miracle that the Hebrew people believed in was the, the parting of the Red Seas. That was the, like the greatest thing. And when they came through the seas, they saw, they saw God's deliverance. If you haven't heard the story, basically they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God delivers them with the ultimate miracle, which is the Passover. 
which we believe in, 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 as Christianity, Jesus is the Passover lamb. And after that miracle, they go through the Red Sea. And then they go on a journey to the promised land. It would take them 40 years to get there. And so, so Jesus is, is reconfiguring baptism. It's not just merely a, a, a sign of, of it, it, baptism in and of itself isn't a, a purity ritual. It's actually an indication of God's work, that God is leading humanity from a place of slavery to a place of freedom. And he's doing it because of Jesus, the Passover lamb. And so we see that, that, that really, oh, and also it's interesting to note that if you read in uh, Joshua chapter 3, that, that the children of Israel, after wandering around through, through the deserts for 40 years, they, they finally come up to the start of the promised land, but they come up to the Jordan River. And this is a problem because if you've got a million and a half people, uh, crossing a river is, is tough. It's, it doesn't need as big of a miracle as the Red Sea, but it still needs a miracle because you don't have ferry boats or bridges or anything. And when they come to that, they, it says the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when they stepped on the water's edge, the waters got held back upstream, and the river, uh, they were able to cross the river right there. Again, this is, this is symbolic of what's going on because at that same river now, Hundreds of years later, we see John the Baptist baptizing people. And so we see that, that, that the true symbolism of, of, of baptism, it, it's tied up with the whole Exodus story, that, that God is doing something new. And so when we get baptized, we're, we're actually uh, we're, we're, we're symbolizing what happened with Jesus and stepping into the new creation. Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost... Uh, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on everybody, the birthday of the church, as many scholars and theologians call it, uh, Peter gets up filled with the Spirit and he gives this message uh, proclaiming to, to uh, the people gathered in Jerusalem that day that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Israel story. Where Israel got it wrong all those years, Jesus has come to be the fulfillment of that. And, and Jesus coming as God's own son uh, was resisted particularly by the religious folks of that day, and they crucified him. But he said that God raised him up on the third day. And, and, and filled with the Spirit, the whole crowd was just cut to the hearts and said, well, what do we do now? In light of this new information, what do we do? And, and Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. So Peter, it's interesting, the first evangelistic crusade ever, Peter didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to convince people that they were sinners. He didn't lead them through a, a, a personal profession of faith. He didn't say, invite Jesus into your heart. When they asked him what they do, he says, repent and be baptized. You know, we've been talking the last few weeks about an, an embodied Christian experience, an embodied faith, one that's not just in our heads, but, but in our lives. It's, it's interesting to me that the first evangelistic crusade that we see in the New Testament, the, the response called for was a, a physical response. If you really mean this, then get down to the water and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So... Baptism is tied to our leaving slavery. In the same way that the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, uh, in baptism we, we say that, that we're walking away 
because of the lamb, because of our Passover lamb, we're going through the waters. And, and we're not going to be identified now as people who are slaves. Our identity is not going to be tied into slavery anymore. We're not going to be slaves of the economy. We're not going to be slaves of the political system. We're not going to be slaves to the ideologies of this world. We're not going to be slaves to sin. Our identity now is going to be as sons and daughters of, of, of God. And that's that, that's that Exodus, you know, I, I've said this before, that Exodus uh, chapter 8, I believe, God says to the children of Israel, hey, the whole reason I humbled, I, I took you through the desert these 40 years, it doesn't take that long to get to the promised land from Egypt. The whole reason we spent so much time out here in the wilderness was I wanted to humble you and test you and, 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 and let you know that, that you can't live by bread alone, but from everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus, God, God was getting at them through their stomachs. You know, he was, he was feeding them bread. They had to go to God every day and gather bread. They couldn't store it up. They, they couldn't make groceries for the whole week. They had to, to, to humble themselves and come to God every day because God was, was teaching them through the desert that your identity is not tied to the economy of Egypt any longer. It's tied to your relationship with your heavenly father. And so all that 40 years in the desert was to, to break that slavery mentality. And so when we go through the waters of baptism, it's symbolic of that, that we're not going to live under the tyranny of slavery any longer. We're going to live as free people, as children of the king. What's great about what Peter says, though, is it's not just about leaving slavery, because we also see the promise of the Holy Spirit there. We, we walk out of slavery, but he also gives us life. He doesn't just say, like, hey, you're free to go. <laughs> I, I was just watching a program the other day. They were talking about, you know, prisoners that, that get, I, I think I was listening to it on NPR, you know, people who are, are being paroled after having life in prison, and they're letting them out early. But, but these guys are just, it's tough. Because their whole identity has been in prison for decades. And they can't just, like, go into entering into the world. Like they were showing this, this one, talking to this one guy who had a, he'd never seen a cell phone ever. You know, he'd been in prison for decades. And he, he's like, why is everybody on these phones all the time? This is crazy. But he was finding it hard to, to adapt to this world. But God doesn't just set us free from slavery and say, good luck, you know, hope this works out for you. He actually gives us his spirit. He gives us the power, the, the, a new kind of life, the life of the future to, to live here and now right now, the life of His Spirit to permeate every part of our being. So, so we're not left just to figure this out as former slaves. Now we're actually given the, the ability to engage in life anew. I'm about to preach. <laughs> Romans 6, 3 through 6 says this. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin." In a real sense, baptism is, is our immersion in the story of Jesus. We are reenacting the story of Jesus, just as Jesus was reenacting the story of the Exodus. We are, when we step into the waters, it signifies death. 
When we go under the water, it signifies burial. When we come up, it signifies resurrection. And so we've identified with it. We're saying that, that even as Jesus Christ was crucified, my flesh has been crucified with him now, and, and I get to participate in, in, in his newness of life as I come up from the water. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Again, Paul is saying that your identity coming out of the water is no longer as based on your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status, your, your, even your family of origin. It's based now on Christ. You're clothed in Christ. He becomes the identifier. And I want to close with this last, uh, well, one more thing before the last thing. The, the, the early church really saw baptism as, as membership. The idea that, that you would just have this private, like I said this last week, you know, the idea that you would just have private religious experiences, you know, it's just me and Jesus, like that idea was, was not common in the early church. It was very much a community thing. And so when you get baptized, you're actually being baptized into the church. You're being baptized into community. So, so for the early church, man, I, I've read some stuff on the early church and baptism, man, I mean, some of them, like, they would make you go through stuff, like, class, you're getting easy today. Well, for a few reasons. I, I've, I had no idea of this tradition. Um, for, for many hundreds of years, people would get baptized naked. We don't, we're not going to return to that. Um, thank God. <laughs> uh, but then also... They would take it so seriously that they, you know, people would say, I want to get baptized. Well, get in line. You got you to come around our church. You got to serve. We got to see that there is proof in your life that you are a follower of Jesus. And they, they would make people wait like a year to be baptized. There was no just, hey, I want to get baptized. No. Because baptism, they saw it in the early church not as, as something that saves you or something that, that does some magic trick in your life. They saw it as the external evidence of an internal reality. And so baptism was just saying, this is what's going on on the inside. And so uh, you were baptized in the community. So 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the Apostle Paul is saying that it's through baptism that we actually become a part of the body of Christ. And so it's kind of a, you know... We, we can think about membership in churches and stuff, but the ultimate membership is this. And, and you know, I, I just want us to remember today, baptism is, is something we, we probably take much lighter in the United States. But if, if you're growing up in some places in the world, in northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, you get baptized, you're drawing a line in the sand. You get baptized... Uh, you're making a statement that you're following Jesus, it will mean that you're going to be persecuted or even martyred very shortly. And so, I think sometimes we're, we're guilty of making baptism so, such a, just, hey, you know, jump in. <laughs> but it really is a serious thing. And for some people, the act of baptism will cost them their actual physical life. I want to close with one last verse here. And we'll get to work baptizing people. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10 says this. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
They all drank, ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Paul is saying, look, in a sense, the, the people under the Old Covenant, they were baptized. They, they, had mo- they, they went through the Red Sea. They had, they, they, God appeared to them you know, as a pillar of fire at night, a cloud by day. They were uh, fed manna every day. They, they, they were baptized through, through that experience. And they said God wasn't pleased with most of them because none of them acted like it. They, they, they took it lightly. They, they didn't. They kept living like slaves, even though they were brought out of slavery. And baptism is, is very much saying, uh, I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back. I'm going to the promised land. I'm headed that way. <laughs> uh, this is a change in my identity. That doesn't mean that, that the exodus is going to be easy. Trust me, if, if you decide to follow Jesus, a lot of people have this idea like, oh, I just said yes to Jesus, God's good all the time, it's just going to get easier. It's not. It's going to get hard. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to get really hard to follow Jesus. Sometimes you're not going to understand what's going on. But that's the exodus. It's not always easy. God's in it. But this is a change of identity. I'm no longer uh, going to be identified by slavery to sin, but by Jesus. My life now proclaims as the life of Jesus on that resurrection morning that God is doing a new thing, that there is new creation breaking forth, that God is restoring and reconciling the world unto himself, and I get to be a part of it. So that's what baptism is about, at least one aspect. I'm, there's plenty of other passages we could look at. Um, I, we're going to do something a little different today. I will close because I, I understand this issue probably you may have a few questions in here. So are there any questions? Anybody got to We'll do a little Q&A. Anybody got a question about baptism? Maybe you were raised under some different ideas and you just want to know. Don't be afraid. Questions? I'm going to sit here quietly for... Did that good? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I will say one last thing. If you grew up in a tradition that, that, that baptized you as an infant, I'm, I'm not opposed to those traditions. Uh, I do believe, what we believe here is in believer's baptism. So we believe that um, really, that, that bab- we don't believe the act of baptism is a magical act in and of itself. Um, it is the evidence of what God's doing in your life. And it's, it's a response with your whole life. So we, we believe in it being... Uh, a, a decision that you can make uh, after thinking through it. Uh, so if you were baptized as a child like, and you want to be baptized again, that's fine. We'll baptize you. Uh, we've got people who've asked me like, hey, you know, I got baptized in church when I was a kid. I knew what I was doing, but I spent, you know, a couple of decades <laughs> running away from God. We baptized Al, um, was it last year or a couple years ago? Al was baptized as a child, but... He realized he'd spent most of his life not having anything to do with God. And so when he came back to the faith, he's like, I really want to do this as an adult now because I want to express uh, the internal reality outwardly. I want to proclaim to the world I'm a follower of Jesus. So uh, 
along those lines, we believe in believer's baptism. Believe in believer's baptism. Uh, so that means that, that this is evidence that you've chosen to follow Jesus, that you've chosen to, to step away from the world of, of, of slavery, and you've made it as an act of, of your will. And so everybody that's getting baptized today that it's so far, uh, we, we've, we've uh, kind of explained these things too. We had a little class. And so um, if there's no other questions, oh, we got a question. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say at the end of the day, I don't think baptism saves anybody. Um, I do believe it's more, uh, but I do believe it's important. Just like communion, um, you know, over the last few years, we and, and really moving forward, I think probably by the end of the summer, we just got to work through logistics more than anything. We'll probably be taking communion every weekend here because I believe um, that needs to be the central part of our, our services. It, it's just hard for me to get bread and stuff up here all the time. So, uh, so we're, it really is mainly a logistical thing. I hate to, to use that as a cop-out. But I think even with baptism, like, like if, if you weren't baptized and you die, would you go to heaven? Yes, I believe that's fine. Um, I would just pray for somebody that, that, that doesn't believe that baptism is important at all. Yeah, just pray for them and just be, uh, and maybe even have that conversation. Just have some dialogue about it. You know, I don't think it's anything you need to get in a fight over. Uh, I would not break fellowship with, I've got all kinds of friends who believe different ways on, on the subject of baptism, and it doesn't affect our friendship. We're still friends. So um, I think that's not an issue to fight over. I, there's been a lot of fighting in the church over that. And I mean, honestly, there's, there's been a lot of people who made a big issue about, well, do you need to be immersed in the water or sprinkled? I like the whole immersed thing, but I mean, reality is, early church history says that out in the desert, a lot of people got sprinkled because there was no water. It's, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it was just practically impossible to dunk somebody or you were going to waste the water of a whole village. to, uh, <laughs> you know. So I, I don't think God's real legalistic about this stuff as, as we might be. So that's just my opinion. This is me speaking. Okay. Thanks for a question. I, I appreciate this. Anybody else got any questions, comments, contentions? Okay, I'll close with this last thing. If anybody wants to be baptized today after hearing what it's about and, and you just say, you know, right now I'd like to go ahead and do this. I, I, need, I would like to proclaim to the world. You don't have to be baptized in a river. We do have a, 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 a safer one. If you're, if, and uh, it's at 1 o'clock, a safer one. <laughs> More sanitary, you know, less holy, but it's, it still works now. <laughs> uh, so if, if you would like to get baptized today, uh, just come up to the front. I'd like to talk with you, and, and um, we can get you on the list. So anyway, it's 1120. Those of you with kids, if you can go get your kids pretty quickly, and we will meet down. We'll go down to the river to pray, say 1145. Uh, we're just going down to the Bogafalaya Park right here. Anybody want? You can just, it's just the end of New Hampshire right there.